The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Outpost Podcast, proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Tom coming to you from the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost here on January 30th, 2023. The competitors for Super Bowl 57 are now set after two diametrically contested conference championships yesterday. It saw the Philadelphia Eagles stamping out any embers of hope that the San Francisco 49ers had in a 31-7 route followed by a 23-20 Kansas City Chiefs victory over the Cincinnati Bengals with three seconds to go in the game. I think this is the point in all of our Steeler fan lives where we're separating the men and the women from the boys and the girls. And by that, I mean every year of my football fandom has been, until the past few, has been completely focused on the Steelers winning the Super Bowl and everybody else being enemy number one. And that still is true, and it always will be true. But just as you grow up and you get more of an understanding of how perfectly architected, Dad, we got a better vocab word for that, how how perfectly built the NFL is to create parity, you realize how difficult it truly is to win a Super Bowl. Hopefully you can appreciate other teams And you can learn things about the NFL and you can appreciate football in general while still rooting for the Steelers. And I'd say just as a general football fan, this any winner from the AFC and NFC would have made a great championship game. But now that we're here with the Eagles playing against the Chiefs, it's a pretty dream Super Bowl matchup. And there's something to be said for a new Super Bowl. These teams haven't played each other, but they're they're familiar teams. You get a potential all-time goat. I mean, Mahomes already there, but potentially like the greatest player we've ever seen. You get to see him again in the Super Bowl. And then you get to see the Philadelphia Eagles, who somehow, for the second time in five years, have built a team in such a way where they can reach the Super Bowl basically with like line play and, and decent quarterback play to, to very good quarterback play. And it sort of shows you the two ways that you can get to the Super Bowl right? Superstar quarterback and then great team. Very relieving for a Steelers fan to know that you can still have a well-rounded team making it to the Super Bowl as we've seen so much success with that with the Steelers over the years. You obviously get the great storylines. Andy Reid gets to play against Philadelphia, the team that fired him. Then he was immediately picked up by Kansas City. The Kelsey brothers Super Bowl, first brothers to ever play against each other in a Super Bowl. And it doesn't hurt that those brothers are the best non-quarterbacks on their own teams. It doesn't hurt that those brothers have a podcast. They're both loquacious, hilarious guys. So you're going to get to hear. You're, we're going to get an inside view at a Super Bowl that we've never gotten. And then lastly, I'll say the color matchup is spectacular. And I got to give the NFL credit on their Twitter page. 
they use the right filtering and the right coloring on the poster. So it sort of made the, I don't know, what is it, a teal? Is, an, is it an aqua for the eagles? It made that a little bit more aquatic. And it made the red a little bit more bold. And after having to watch last year's travesty of a uniform matchup with far too much red and orange on the field with the with the um, Bengals. Oh, no, that wasn't last year. That was the championship. But the Bengals and the Chiefs. It's nice to see, uh, and I guess the, the I guess the Niners did play the Chiefs a few years uh, prior to that in a Super Bowl. It's a great uniform matchup. It's a great day for football fans everywhere. That's all I can say, Dad. I wasn't going to bring this up because it's frivolous, but since you brought up uniform color, which I think, you know, well, is that that? So I'm surprised that that's the first time brothers have played against each other. You you did hear that though? You confirmed that. It's confirmed. It's it's kind of shocking because you think yeah. it would it, it would just with I don't know what were you like sixty Super Bowls. I have no idea. I should probably know that off the top of my well, head. Well, there's but. so many. Bro- I mean, we just we talk about it with regard to the Steelers all the time. My question is, what's Minasteric against the Kelsey brothers? Who wins that melee? Well, the Watts, obviously. I'm, and yeah, I'm not probably biased. not. Yeah, yeah. I probably. I probably. I, I would like to do a poll, a Twitter poll. Can you, yeah, can maybe, you the send that out? maybe the Edmonds is. Maybe the Edmonds is. I mean, they might be the well, number one seed. Those guys are muscled up, but you know. Yeah, and they're and they're fast, but you know, and and you have to is um JJ allowed to play in his day? You know, when he was at his apex. Anyway, yeah, skip the question. The, but I'm just surprised there. that that's the first time brothers have played against faced each other in the Super Bowl. So, so I, I guess I have a couple quick thoughts on the championship Sunday, which. I hadn't been this excited for a championship that, you know, didn't include the Steelers in a long time. And even with the Steelers in there, obviously you have the nerves and your hatred is worked up to hate all three other teams, whoever might prevent the Steelers from getting into the Super Bowl and whoever may prevent the Steelers from winning the Super Bowl. But obviously incredibly underwhelming game with Philadelphia and the 49ers. And it's, it's hard to say what would have happened if Brock Purdy had, you know, looked in front of him and realized that the guy who had 16 sacks in the regular season uh, was running right at him to break his elbow into pieces. If Brock Purdy had looked at that man, maybe the game would have gone differently. And, and actually, I'm pretty confident that the game would have gone differently. And I don't mean that the Niners would have won or lost. It just seems like it would have been a more competitive game than the blowout it was when you had to stick Josh Johnson in. And so Josh Johnson's the fourth-string quarterback for the Niners. And once Brock Purdy got injured, I didn't know who was going in. I don't know if anybody who's not a Niners fan knew who was going in. But I think we all did know that Brock Purdy, famously, he's a third-string quarterback. So when a team runs out of quarterbacks, you're probably going to hear the farting trumpet music of Josh Johnson coming on the field. Here comes... Oh, it's Josh Johnson playing for his 42nd team. Poor bastard doesn't stand a chance. At first, it was it's hard to be mad at him. But the only problem is, and it's hard to be mad at him because every time he goes into a game, the poor bastard has only just joined the team like two weeks ago. So like, what do you expect out of the guy? Hey, just learn Kyle Shanahan's playbook. I mean, it's not two weeks, but you know, I'm rolling here. It's not really his fault. Until you drop a snap that hits you in the hands. When you drop the snap and then don't try to fall in the fumble, hey, that is your fault. But when he comes on your TV 
all you know is that you are virtually assured of watching terrible football. And whether that's his fault or not, he is the harbinger of crappy football. And so we did sort of lose a game there uh, to two teams that were really wire-to-wire awesome, except for a couple injury streaks. So the Niners suffered their injury streak in the beginning of the season. I think they were like three and four. And then the Eagles suffered their injuries at the very end of the season, and then they both got healthy. And then, of course, Kyle Shanahan's unbelievably cursed luck continues, and, and the Niners lose their quarterback right when they start the game. And it just took the air out of the sails. So that's a bummer, but Eagles definitely deserve to be there. And the Steelers fans should be so pumped about the Eagles getting there. Because obviously, in the AFC, look, we don't, there's no point in, and trying to talk yourself into some crazy stuff. We want Kenny Pickett to be good. And like Pat McAfee pointed out on his podcast this week, if you look at the stats for Kenny Pickett, it doesn't look good. It's really bad. I don't think he had 10 touchdowns this year. But if you look at the games, like he said, you know what you see. Hey, this is really encouraging. This guy's really awesome. So, of course, we're rooting for Kenny to be really good. That being said, you know, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, you're probably not going to ever catch up to that. But look who, Joe, look who Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing in the Super Bowl. A, a team, Jalen Hurts, ooh, good quarterback. Very good. If you don't say he's an MVP, Philadelphia pees their pants and then eats them and then eats poop in the streets like after they won the last Super Bowl. So that is what it is. But Philadelphia built a team with absolutely dominant lines on both sides of the ball. Doesn't hurt that Eric Weidel, the new Steelers assistant GM, was helping Philadelphia build those lines. So, very nice for Steelers fans to know that. But they built a complete team, and then they struck in free agency when the opportunity presented themselves with perimeter players like their cornerbacks, James Bradbury and Darius Slay, and then A.J. Brown on the offensive side, and that's what put them over the hill. So, Shouldn't get too bent out of shape that the Steelers don't have Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes because, look, it's still possible to have a great, well-rounded team and make the Super Bowl. So I think that's what I take from the NFC side with the Eagles making it. It's pretty cool. So a couple of things you're saying that um, their quarterback isn't, uh, isn't top 10. Whatever you want to call him. I mean, top ten, he's surely top 10 this year, Jalen Hurts. But you just, I mean, you watch them on the field. It's, and the really and it, encouraging thing is that we have one of the architects of their, of their team now is one of our architects. And you, yeah. you talked about, I'm just trying to look up the, I, I know you don't put a lot of stock in the PFF, but I'm just curious to see their, their line rankings. But they have, they have strong lines, which is what you and I have been, promoting the idea that the Steelers need to yeah. build that next. And so that'll be really telling those first three, three picks what the Steelers do. Truly. And that's what I want to look at. It's their first three picks. And yes, that's this, that. They're the best line. They have the best offensive line. They run on every team ever. I mean, Jalen Hurts hasn't thrown for 200 yards in either one of the playoff games. And he's playing with a bum shoulder, and I think that's pretty apparent. Um, and this year, he's a top 10 quarterback. I do think that. He's a top 10 quarterback with what's around him, which is how most quarterbacks work. I definitely think Kenny Pickett could fit that bill. And then you talk about the intangibles. J. 
Jalen Hurts, spectacular leader. Like, I love that guy for how he handled that whole Alabama thing and the benching. He was so classy, made the most of his opportunity when he was able to go back in the game for Alabama, did a great job in Oklahoma, kept getting better every year in the NFL. Obviously, we've seen that with Kenny. Ooh, this leadership stuff, the poise stuff looks really good. They've built their lines. They can run on anybody. And then he throws a great deep ball, and they got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. We take the pressure off of you or put the pressure on the defense on the outside. Their defense just set the sack record. They had 70 sacks. And maybe Hassan Reddick, number seven, the guy who killed Brock Purdy, had a sack towards the end of the game. Huge, impactful game. Had 16 sacks during the regular season. Maybe he is finally developing into a premier edge rusher. But overall, you'd say they don't have a TJ Watt or a Joey or Nick Bosa or Miles Garrett. They just have a sick defensive line who's just breaking the sack record. So pretty objectively, their, their lines are spectacular. And then they have the requisite talent on the outside at corner and receiver to scare people. Obviously, very exciting with what the Steelers are building there. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty cool. And I, I'm excited about that as a Steelers fan. And I don't know if you have anything else on that, Dad. I've sort of buried the thing that was pissing me off this morning, which I'd still like to make a comment on just regarding all the the whining that I see on Twitter right now from football fans and about refereeing and all that stuff and how truly inconsequential I think all that stuff is. But overall, uh, didn't think we'd talk about the NFC side first, but I think just as a Steelers fan, that is kind of cool to see uh, with the Eagles reaching the Super Bowl once again. All right. I am not getting in front of that momentum, so please do express the, uh, your reaction to what you've been looking at on Twitter couple sentences here just to address it i'd probably say 75 percent of what i see on twitter this morning is whining about the refs in the games they weren't that bad they're not good right but we've i think we can all agree this conversation happens every week it's hard to referee in the nfl in these days now especially with all the limitations they've they've placed on hitting people i think that there were off the top of my head, three horrible calls yesterday, none of which had a direct impact on either one of the games. Devonta Smith not catching that ball, that ball hitting the ground on the first drive of the Eagles game. They won the game by like 20 points, 30 points. They're winning that game either way after Brock Purdy goes out. The ball hitting the wire, sure. Then when they give the, the Chiefs the elusive fifth down, they give the Chiefs a redo on a down for no reason, and then give them a, which the, the Chiefs don't complete, right, the pass to convert third down, but then they give them a defensive holding. Well, they end up punting a few plays later. Luckily for football fans, it was inconsequential in the game. Obviously, you feel really bad for the Bengals player, Asai, who hit Patrick Mahomes late as he went out of bounds. I think most people agree with that one. That's getting called 100 out of 100 times. We've seen that for 10 years now. That's a penalty. Obviously, you feel really bad for that guy, and it was nice to see his teammate. Um, was it Hill or Hunt? I can't remember. I'm blanking on his name, but his teammate stood next to him in the locker room when Osai stood there and answered questions from reporters in like the worst moment of this dude's life, and his teammate basically just bodyguarded him, and when the reporters asked a stupid question, basically to say like, hey, expound on how bad you feel right now. His teammate was like, come on, man. that's a stupid question. You got to ask a better question. So that was cool to see, but 
I don't think that was necessarily a boneheaded play by Osai on the Bengals. I think that that's just bang, bang. And he barely got him out of bounds, but he did. You know, you're trying to save the Super Bowl. It's Patrick Mahomes running at you. He made a mistake, but it's not as bad as Pac-Man Jones' mistake, right, against the Steelers, getting into a fight, throwing a punch or whatever it is. So I don't think that the referees were as big as a part of it, and it's just annoying to see all the people whining when there are so many better storylines. I thought the AFC game was a great game. It's unbelievable that Patrick Mahomes won that game on the sprained ankle. I saw some weird fans sort of whining about that, thinking he's getting too much credit. He's not. That was incredible. You saw him visibly hobbling. The first half, he clearly made a concerted effort, and so did Andy Reid with the game plan, to get rid of the ball quickly. Don't do too many of those scrambles out of the pocket. The first time he did one, when he scrambled to the left, completed a pass, you saw him have to hop off of that leg because he had to put all the pressure on it. And you wondered, like, Mahomes is, a, is, is Mega Man X right now, or Mario, maybe for a more common comparison. Like, he's only got so many hit points in him. He can use that ankle, let's say, eight times throughout the game before it just gives out and falls off his body. And in the second half, he realized, we're going to lose this game. And if I lose this game, I mean win this game, and I do not need this ankle again. I will find another ankle because I'm not losing. I don't care that Travis Kelsey almost got knocked out of the game one day before it started with back spasms, and then I have one leg. I'm scrambling on this thing, and we're going to see what happens. And he wins the game on scramble plays and beautiful scramble touchdowns. That was awesome. Um, Joe Burrow, same thing. Three out of five linemen injured on an offensive line that Look, the Bengals did a really good job prioritizing that offensive line in the offseason. We all knew it was a problem. It still didn't get that much better. And then on top of it, all these guys get injured. And Joe Burrow, it doesn't matter. He's so good. He finds a way. After getting sacked a bunch of times in the first half, he cracks the code. It reminds us of Ben Roethlisberger when the Steelers made their playoff run. So I think that that stuff doesn't need any whining. It's just cool. And... I can appreciate the Bengals up until the AFC championship when then I will root extremely hard for them not to have any happiness because they are an evil, lifeless, irredeemable franchise and city in general, unless you're a Steelers fan there. And so it's nice to see them lose. But uh, yeah, just incredible from both teams and, and both quarterbacks. And then fun to watch. Unfortunate to watch the NFC us kind of get robbed of more of a team game approach. But um I thought that the games were awesome. Anybody who had problems with the Cincinnati mayor making the statement about the city of Kansas City or Mahomes needing a paternity test to find out if Joe Burrow is their dad, if you were whining about that before the game, you are becoming a Bengals and Browns fan. Do you realize I, we need to help you? That is Bengals and Browns loser talk. You really care about that? That's hilarious. Let the mayor do it. Yeah, he's a cheese ball. These are sports. This is great. We're not that good right now, but we're coming for him. We're coming. Don't whine about that. It makes you look like all the Browns fans, like all oh, the, the Steelers. Like, oh, if Carson Palmer had played in the game, we would have beat the... No, we're not losers. We hold our heads high and we say, wait for us. Because one night, very soon, in the middle of the night, you're a Bengals fan. You're an AFC fan. You're going to be sleeping in your bed. 
and the Steelers will climb in through your window, and then it'll be too late because the Steelmen will be back. Don't worry. We're not back now. Fine. Whatever. But we will be back. And the first thing you see when you open your eyes at 3 a.m. is a giant steel hammer making its way right towards your stupid Cincinnati face. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. We don't whine. Oh, Joe Burrow, he's actually not that good. I saw a tweet from a very prominent Steelers Twitter. The only difference between Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett right now is Kenny Pickett is close, is clutch in the fourth quarter. Like, what are we... How much meth are we smoking in Pittsburgh right now? Joe Burrow is way better than Kenny Pickett. That's okay. We can, That's okay. All right? We can still beat them if you make a great team. Kenny Pickett can still be a multi-Super Bowl winning quarterback. Don't whine, everybody. Just enjoy what you're seeing and just wait till that fateful night when the Steelers come into your room with a hammer and do their thing. It's a great yeah. championship. It was not marred by refereeing. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Better slap some lamb's blood on those lentils on the front door. Protect yourself. Yep. Yeah, I think one of the problems you suffer from as you are in the rarefied air of Twitter where self-professed Steeler experts need to expound and it's 99% has to be negative to prove that you're bona fides rather than here's the good news and celebrate right. the good things because I you know when at the beginning of the season when things were looking so dire my and I, I said this during some of the podcasts my reason to watch is just like those rare times when I golf just for that one or two one, one or two good shots, you know, a great play that we can see, the picket to pickens kinds of things. And fortunately, we sort of rose out of the, the ashes during the middle of the season. But, you know, the question about refs, has there ever, ever been a compliment? I mean, has anybody ever said it's been a well-officiated game? Because I'm not sure how many games turn on plays. I mean, you know, any play you could point to and say that was a turning point, but... What was like that that Saints game, I guess, was one that you could look at and there was a blown call. Yeah, and and even then, there's just so many opportunities to win. Like if I'm a Steelers fan, and I know that Jesse James caught it, but there's like, who was it? Ryan Clark or Cam Sutton or someone dropped an interception in their chest from Tom Brady on the the drive prior. It's like, it does not come down to work. It's just magnified when it happens at the end. You you know, that's just the human, you know, the recency bias, I guess you'd call that. So before we get out of here, I, I saw an interesting thought from Mark Caboli of The Athletic. The, um, so we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Matt Canada being retained. But apparently Byron Leftwich is out there. He's being unmoored or he may not be re-signed. And there is talk about bringing him back as an offensive assistant. Uh, Mike Tomlin loves him. The Steelers organization loves him. And it's Matt Canada's last contract year so. Is it possible that Byron Leftwich will be breathing down um, Matt Canada's next neck starting in the uh, summer? Look, we'll I see. know that the Steelers fans have an affliction, and the affliction is not watching other teams besides the Steelers. And so when an offensive coordinator gets fired, and if Steelers fans know his name, that means he's better than Matt Canada. And unfortunately, we love Byron. He's objectively one of the four or five coordinators worse than Matt Canada. If you follow the Buccaneers, great uh, Steelers, former Steelers writer, John Ledyard is now a Buccaneers reporter, so I've, I've followed him for a long time. He's tracking every game. You know, Warren Sharp, 
has some good and has some bad. Uh, but following the Buccaneers kind of helps see, you know, Byron Leftwich, he's got some play calling problems. Just uh, incredibly inefficient on first downs, running just for the sake of running, a ton of old platitudes from 80s football. Like, well, you got to run, you got to run and set the pass. Nonsensical sort of offensive game planning. Secondarily, man, I have not seen, you know, a, a, a young backup quarterback, and that includes Kellen Moore, who's been a great coordinator compared to a lot of these, you know, guys who were working as coaches from 23-year-olds and, and on. So not saying they can't become a good coordinator, but it's a tough fit. So that being said, you know, Byron Leftwich, Kellen Moore, they're middle of the pack. It, not Byron. Byron is not middle of the pack. Maybe Kyron, uh, Kellen Moore is middle of the pack. I think that there's a legitimate chance you see Matt Canada rise to quote-unquote middle of the pack by the end of next year. I'm not saying he is or isn't, but I, I guess the main point is this, and I'll address Byron coming to the Steelers or not in a second. There's Kyle Shanahan and, and Sean McVay, and those guys are the equivalent of Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers. It's like, yeah, there is a chance you win the lottery and get a true superstar play caller. But most other people in the Kellen Moores, those are, they're middle of the road. Take them or leave them. And then it depends on your talent on offense. And when you have a sick quarterback, you're going to look better. But overall, it, it's sort of splitting hairs at that point. Now, Byron Leftwich, no, I definitely do not want him as a starting offensive coordinator. But do I like the idea of him joining the staff and being in the building? I do because he at least spent time with Bruce Arians multiple times in his career. I don't remember. I think he was there with Ben and Bruce Arians in Pittsburgh. I can't remember who the coordinator was, but I think it was Arians. And then obviously he was his assistant and his offense coordinator in, in Tampa Bay. And what Arians and Ben and those guys do well is throwing the ball down the field aggressively. Now the Buccaneers did that poorly this year. They did have a ton of injuries, a ton, to the line, to Godwin, who played hurt, Mike Evans, there were things up with that. Tom Brady, still a good arm, does not want to stay in the pocket, does not want to take hits and throw the ball downfield. Understandable, he's almost 50 years old. So there were things that stacked up against Byron Leftwich, but I do like the idea of bringing a guy in as another voice in the room to help the Steelers with their big issue on offense, which is throwing the ball downfield. Do I think that means he's the offensive coordinator in waiting? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but I, I, like, I do like the ideas of bringing more hands in that way. And you look at the impact that Brian Flores had, who should not be compared to Byron Leftwich. Brian Flores is a bona fide, extremely successful defensive coach for multiple teams already in the NFL. But I saw some stats. I don't know if it's because or Fireball posting this online, but the personnel mixings that the Steelers had this year were night and day from the last year. The Steelers used a lot of different personnel groupings, and you have to think that part of that was Brian Flores giving their, getting in there and giving them new ideas, and hopefully Byron Leftwich could do that for the Steelers, and I will be all for bringing him in. Also, obviously, great personality. Everybody likes him, uh, former Steeler. But as far as like, hey, you plug in Byron Leftwich for Matt Canada – I don't think that helps. I think it hurts, honestly. I think the Steelers fans just have to accept the reality that no team does a 180 change unless you luck out and draft Ben Roethlisberger, who falls to 11, or Joe Burrow when the Bengals are drafting at one. And when they draft at one, 
Joe Burrow happens to be the quarterback in that class, not Jared Goff going at number one, you know, years prior. Like I'm saying, some of that's circumstantial. So let's not hope for this instant shift. Let's say maybe Matt Canada is the training wheels to let Kenny and the offense sort of get used to the NFL before they graduate from him and, and, and get somebody else. Well, I think the only new news about the Steelers in the last week is, is uh, are reports on the number of interviews Brian Flores is going on. It, it's hard to imagine he'll be around next season unless this is all sort of a pretense. Let's hope, well, yeah. hope for the best for him. But the, the worst case is he's still on the he's still in the coaching ranks for us next year. Good stuff. A lot of opinions expressed here during the episode, and we would love to hear yours. Hit us up on Twitter at write this down. Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.